did a brilliant job. For those watching on the live stream, it's good to have you tuning in with us. I hope you enjoy it. For all of those, if it's your first time at One Heart in the building this morning, we're so glad you've joined us here for our 10.30 service as we gather together. It's fantastic. I didn't do this in the first service, I forgot, so I better do it this one. Pastor Rob and Pauline, our senior pastors, it's so good to have you in church this morning, but it's always, it, this is not a riot. This is a responsibility and a privilege, and so thank you for entrusting me with this microphone. And we, we're so honoured to have you as our senior leaders of our, of our great church. It's a great blessing to our state, great blessing to our church, and we thank you and honour you this morning. For those of you that have got a Bible, I see my friends at the front here got some Bibles. You're going to have to go to the book of John chapter 2 and the book of Acts chapter 2. So chapter 2, John and Acts. We'll get there in a moment. Now, um, I'm unfamiliar with this statement. But I overheard Pastor Robin, Pastor Pauline talking about this the other day. But I've got two titles for you. Title one, and this is the statement I've never heard about this. I only heard Pastor Robin Pauline talking about it. First option is happy hour. So that's a, one title option you can have. I'm not sure what that means. I'm a Christian. Um, but Pastor, I heard Pastor Robin Pauline talking about this thing about happy hour. That's option number one. A second option, if you want another title, could be the Pentecost Vintage. That's my personal favourite. The Pentecost Vintage. So if you've got your, your hand in the Bible, we're going to go to John chapter 2 in a moment. But before we do, I'll explain some things. So if you've never met me before, my name's Josh. And uh, I've, I get the privilege of running the youth ministry here at One Heart. And now we've got to make a distinction there. It's a ministry, not a program. We don't run a youth program. We run a youth ministry because we want to train and equip the saints for the ministry. And so we don't just have a babysitting thing. Yes, we want to have fun. Yes, we want to have joy, but we also want to equip young people to be able to be disciples that change our planet. Amen. And so we run that every Sunday night, 5 to 7 p.m., great time here. So what youth are in here keen for tonight? Yeah. Oh, we got some. That's great. So, um, the, so at youth, I've been speaking on this subject lately called Last Days. Uh, if you go to Bible college, they might refer to it as... Um, the study of eschatology. But the last days is an interesting thing. And the, if, if you grab your Bible and you look at your Bible, um, you can go to the book of Revelation and you can look at it and be like, ah! right? It can scare you. There's some scary predictions about the future. You read Matthew chapter 24. That has got some scary predictions about the last days. But we've got to understand something. If we're a mature believer, if we've been born again, if we've been spirit-filled, we read the other predictions, the other prophetic messages and understand, yes, there's going to be some scary moments arriving, but with that come some glorious days as well. And so I want to read my Bible and not see the sphere. I want to read my Bible and be stirred with faith. And so it's, yeah, it's easy to read the Bible and be filled with fear, but we've got to get a healthy understanding of the fear of the Lord and understand how that can shift us to a perspective of faith. And so um, yeah, we can read the Bible and despite the, the, the trials, the persecutions ahead, we can have faith to face those things. And I want to I address this one little line for you. We've been, it's, it's interesting, I was looking at the run sheet during the week and uh, Pastor Beth had a clear, um, a, a clear perspective in our songs of victory. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what the theme is, victory. But here's the thing we've got to understand. To live a life of victory... We can't confuse that with easy. And we've got to understand that. We read the end of the book, we win, we have victory. But just because we have victory does not mean life will be 
easy. And so don't confuse your victorious Christian life with an easy Christian life. We're victorious and we live in victory, but it doesn't mean things are going to be easy. So do not confuse victory with easy. So things will be hard. Things will be difficult. People will, will say that they don't like us, um, but we have victory. And so a few weeks ago, uh, some of you thought might have thought I was backsliding. I wasn't. I was at a wedding in Adelaide. So the Adelaide City Council held the Santo Stefano Convention, where I had all my family, extended Italian family from around Perth, Melbourne, Adelaide, all congregated for another cousin's wedding. And it was a, it was a great time. And um, what I think is interesting about when you look at the weddings that I attend, a lot of girls grow up dreaming about their weddings um, and planning things. And it's a, it's a special time. It's a time where family can come and enjoy and celebrate that great sacrifice of living life together. Um, and some parents go, yep, get out of my house. Uh, but it's, it's, a great, it's a great time of all, the, all those different emotions and feelings. But when we, when we can so easily read the scripture and then put our our viewpoint of what marriage is and things. But when we look at stuff in the Bible in John chapter 2, Jesus rocks up at a wedding. But it's a little bit different in context what our wedding, my wedding, I attended the other day in Adelaide. And so the, uh, a biblical wedding in this Jewish culture would be a week-long celebration, a week-long festival of enjoyment and party and, and a great time. Some, I'm thinking sometimes that wouldn't be too bad in, in our day and age. Um, but obviously, with that, if you're doing put on a big, long event like that, it's quite an expensive uh, event and to be hospitable. And so, because of the the financial pressures of this wedding, we see here uh, in a moment the difficulty that those financial burdens place on this this wedding. So, John chapter two, we'll read about one to ten. There was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supplier ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. That's a great thing if you want to underline that. Do whatever he tells you. Verse 6. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for the Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold between 75 to 113 litres. Jesus told his servants, fill these jars with water. And when the jars had been filled, I love it how the NIV puts it, they filled them to the brim, full tide. Verse 8, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it came from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first. He said, then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. I'm going to pray one more time. Jesus, we just thank you so much that... Uh, you can turn water to wine. That what is impossible in the natural, you can do the impossible in our natural. And Jesus, we just believe that today and these moments are divine. We're here by plan by you. That we can uh, be touched and changed and transformed in a moment. 
that what what can't be done in the natural God, you can do in our natural and you can change our perspective, change our attitudes, change our motives, that we would live a life that brings glory to you. And God, ultimately, we just thank you. Just, just like that best wine is brought out last, we can see the best days ahead of us. That we, what we've seen today is just, uh, it was been good, but we got better down the road. And everyone said, Amen. We agree. I'm going to read verse 10 again. A host... Always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine, but you have kept the best until now. Interesting. Now you've got to understand, I'm not a connoisseur. I'm more of a red cordial type of bloke myself. But it's interesting, like we've had communion this morning, thank you Amy, and we got those, um, whatever you call them, the snack pack communion um, cups, and for those that have been in our, coming here for the last few years, we used to have a different brand and only just acquired a taste for the old, the old brand. And now they've changed it on me. So I've got to readjust my, my palate to this new communion flavour. But it's, it's interesting here when we look at the, the common sense of a wedding. If you're planning this wedding, if you're budgeting for economically sound plan is bring out the best wine, while everyone's palate is most sensitive, and then when it's dulled, you can bring out the dodgy stuff, bring out the budget stuff. And the, but the, the thing that's awesome here, this was no ordinary wedding. This was no ordinary celebration. Jesus turned up. Jesus rocked up to the party, and we see this bloke who's tasting this wine going, my usual plan, my usual perspective is I rock up, I have the, do- the good wine, and then as the night progresses, it gets dodgier and dodgier. But here's the thing as a church, we, we, I want to be a community where Jesus rocks up. I want to be the church where Jesus rocks up, where it's not just the as normal. It's not just the usual, I know I'll come to church, sing three songs, hear someone talking to a microphone, and then leave. No, I want Jesus to turn up and change the script. I want Jesus to turn up and change the plan where I haven't received the best in the past, the best is ahead of me. Where who knows what could happen today? Who knows what could happen in the future? Because if Jesus turns up, that there will be a difference in the quality of wine. And I, I'm believing that for our life. I'm believing that for your life and for our church. That Jesus' miracle disrupted the logical plan. And so we can, and I want Jesus to disrupt, disrupt my logical plan. Well, this is how it's always been. This is how it's always worked. Well, I know how this works. I have it all figured out. And, and we've got to believe that the best, because the, the, the logical plan is the best wine is behind us. My best days are behind me. I've had every spiritual experience. But when we, when we realize that Jesus can rock up into our circumstance, when Jesus can rock up into our situation, the best wine is ahead of us. Your best days are ahead of you. There is better unseen spiritual experiences in your future. And I believe that. I believe that for your life. I declare that over your life. And so this wedding drank the literal physical physical wine of heaven. And I'm here to tell someone that heaven's vats still flow today. I'm here to tell someone that heavenly goat skins are yet to be drained. They've still got wine in them, uh, plenty abounding for you today. So Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, so we're going to start with verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers are meeting together in one place. Suddenly, 
There was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. I want to pause on the word suddenly. I heard a preacher a few weeks ago talking about the suddenly moments of God. And we've got to understand that God doesn't move quickly. He moves suddenly. And so, so often we're like, God, I need that miracle right now. God, I need that, that breakthrough right now. But God isn't the God of the, the quickly. God is a God of suddenly. At his timing, he will move, have the suddenly moment for you. So this windstorm filled the house where they were sitting. A mighty windstorm. Uh, verse 3. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone, I want everyone to say that. Everyone? That includes me. Yeah, everyone said that. That includes me. That includes me. Present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now we'll go to verse 13. The crowd ridiculed them saying, they're just drunk. Then uh, verse 14, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is far too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Man, that's so amazing. Verse 13 says that, the, this crowd saw what happened after this upper room experience where these believers got filled with the Holy Spirit, had an encounter with heaven, and it says they are just drunk. I call that the critic's compliment. and I love that. There's so many things in life where you can receive the critic's compliment, where someone thinks they're attacking you, but really they're encouraging you. This crowd thought these people that had a heavenly experience were just drunk and so the, their observation was half correct. What they saw was they nearly had, they had the puzzle pieces, but they didn't have it in the right order. They had been drinking. These believers had been drinking, but it wasn't the wine of earth. It was the wine of heaven. And because and then what we saw in John, John chapter 2, verse 10, it says that the best la wine comes out last. The guy goes, well, my experience has been that we have the... Um, the good wine, then the bad wine. But you've brought the best wine out last. And that was a prophetic declaration that he did not know that he was speaking, that then now these guys in Acts are living out of, where they've actually consumed this best wine of heaven in their own in life. They live the fulfillment of that prophetic act of this guy in John. And so, because it says in Acts 2-3 that they have, are these guys drunk? No, they're not drunk. They've been consuming the wine of heaven. And so uh, if that wine is required for our brothers and sisters in the early church, why would we try and go about our life without it? 
And One Heart Church, I want to be a person that has an encounter with the Holy Ghost. I need the Holy Spirit's power in my life to live effectively. If I want to live in victory, I need the Holy Spirit's power. I read the book of Acts and I get inspired. I I see these stories and testimonies of our, our brothers and sisters in the past and I go, if they can do it, I can do that. If that was their reality, why can't it be my reality? Right? Like simple things, Acts 3. Um, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus. Uh, Peter and John were able to do that because they were filled with the wine of heaven. They had the anointing and authority of God that then they're able to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Uh, Acts chapter 8. This is one of my f- most favorite parts of scripture. Philip baptizes a man, pulls him out of the water, and he's teleported. And he's somewhere else, right? I love that. But that's what the supernatural power of God can do. Because Philip was filled with the wine of heaven, he was able to uh, do a ministry here, and God said, now I'm going to pluck you and put you over here for more ministry. And we, I want to, if it was happened, if he needed to be filled with the wine of heaven, so much more do I want to be filled with the wine of heaven. Acts chapter 5. Uh, I believe it's Peter again. He's... Um, He's just walking around and people are trying to chase his shadows to get healing from his shadows. That is mind crazy stuff. But when we get filled with the wine of heaven, those things can be the normal. People will chase your shadows because there's something of the power of God on you. Acts 19, it talks about unusual miracles where people would get like cloth and handkerchiefs and things and like um, take it on a mission and people go, yep, if I can just touch that handkerchief, if I can just touch that bit of cloth, the power of God can come upon me. That stuff's unreasonable. It's, un, it's unheard of. But because those men and women, our brothers and sisters, were able to uh, get that, that wine of heaven on their life, they had some substance that can help bless other people. And so those that early church knew what it was to drink of heaven, drink the wine of heaven. Do we know what it is? to drink of the wine of heaven? Do we know what it is to consume and be filled with the Holy Spirit, to have an encounter with the Holy Ghost that helps the lower air peninsula in our context, the city of Port Lincoln bless, wherever you find yourself, because God is wanting to do something in our lives. And so in the last days, I love that that they're saying, well, what does this last days mean? In the book of Acts chapter 1, we see Jesus ascended to heaven. So for those familiar with the Easter story, Jesus dies on the cross, rises again, tells his disciples, and then he starts just showing up randomly. And then he says to the disciples, look, I'm not going to be keep popping up here forever. I'm eventually going to go up back to the Father in heaven. When that happens, you stay in Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. So then uh, he then is, levitates up into heaven, ascends and disappears. And so then the disciples go, all right, well, we're going to go to Jerusalem and wait for this promised gift of the Holy Spirit. That gift is poured out. And then that's where then we've just read in Acts chapter 2 where Peter says, so these last days are from that moment then when the church was born to we're living in the last days. It hasn't stopped. This is our inheritance. These are the days that we're living in. This is the promises for us to take a hold of. And so if the best wine comes last, I don't believe the best wine was poured out on the day of Pentecost. I don't believe the best wine was poured out on those early disciples. I believe there's better wine for us. I believe there's fresh wine for us in our generation and in our time. And so we, we got to, um, when that day of the glorious return of Christ comes, when Jesus returns back in his power and glory, it's going to be an amazing day. But until that day happens, we have not yet received the best wine of heaven. And so yeah, 
Um, We've got to take a hold of John chapter 2, verse 10. But you have kept the best until now. I'm believing that for your life. I'm believing that for your family. I'm believing that for our church, that the best wine is going to be kept for now. And I've got good news. If you're new to church, this is a, a full gospel church. If it's in the Bible, we believe it. We won't pick and choose. And so we believe that there's a supernatural coming of power for your life. Um, and so, yeah, if you've never experienced this thing of drinking the wine of heaven, if you've never had this encounter of the Holy Ghost, today could be your day. Today could be the day where you have a and filling with the power of God that touches and changes your life in a radical way. In Acts 10, we find Peter is preaching yet again. Peter is preaching to this group of Gentiles. And so we'll break this down for us so we can understand the context. So the Jewish people, which Peter was, he was a Jew, they thought they had the right to the power of God. They thought, well, just through the, the circumstances of history, God loves us, God has a plan for us. And what happens to the Gentiles doesn't matter. Um, but then we see, we see through the book of Acts that the, these Jews, these early Christians, turned their perspective to, oh, it's just about us Jews, to God wants to be made right with all of humanity, all, all peoples. And so there were some Jews kept getting in this um, default thought pattern of the Gentiles don't deserve anything, the Gentiles don't deserve the Holy Spirit, that's just for us Jews. But then we see in this moment, Peter's just preaching the gospel message that Jesus came to save you. Jesus came to um, uh, restore your relationship with God. You can have a relationship with God. And so then verse 44, Peter's preaching and says, while he's preaching, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Now that is a cool church service. Uh, That would be uh, lively. Pastor Rob's preaching here on a Sunday, then someone in the back row just starts cranking out a heavenly language. But that can happen. It happened for Peter and it can happen today. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit, just as we did. So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I love this. I, I love the fact that the, this, these Gentile believers, these new Christians, broke all the rules because we can get so uh, into a format of we come to we got to come to church, we got to give our life to Christ, we got to repent, and then we got to get baptized, or then we get filled with the Spirit. Holy Spirit, Jesus doesn't care about the pattern. He goes, if you're hungry, I'll fill you. Before you know all the proper this plan, that plan, that plan, God can come upon you and change your life in a moment. But are we hungry for it? I, I'm, I'm hungry for those days where we get people filled with the Spirit. Then they realize, oh, I better surrender my life to Jesus. I've got to get filled with the Spirit. And then, oh, I should get baptized. I'm believing for those kind of encounter moments in our church where the sp- supernatural power of God comes and changes things in a mighty way. And so we've got to understand, though, for One Heart Church, if we're going to reach our full, de- full destiny as individuals and collectively, we've got to learn to drink f- from heaven. If we, we won't reach our destiny without it. If we, if we just want to um, live life, and great. But if we want to fulfill the destiny of why God put us on this planet, we've got to learn what it is to drink of heaven. We've got to learn to get a taste of that heavenly wine to be able to change us and mold us and recalibrate us to do it the best we can. And we have a vision to be a large, relevant church of mature believers who love our community. If we want to do that well, we've got to learn to drink from heaven. We've got to learn what it is to consume that heavenly wine, say, God, 
realign my perspective, realign my thinking. Simple things. If we're going to be a large church, if we're going to be a community that sees the lost saved, we can't get offended by someone sitting in my seat. If you're coming to church going, oh, how dare they? They took my car park. When is the last time you've drunk from heaven? Because when you're getting consumed with the wine of heaven, your perspective changes. It's not about me. It's about my city change. Rather than going, oh, I don't know who my next door neighbor is. But when you get filled with the wine of heaven, you go, you know what? They're there by divine appointment for me to witness to them. They, were, they, they didn't move there because it was a house they could afford or whatever. They moved there because God wanted them near me so I can be an evangelist. But when we drink of the wine of heaven, those things will change our perspective, change our attitudes, that we live a life that, re, that reflects the kingdom principles. Amen. And for some of us here that we may have had a great heavenly wine experience. We've had encounters with God. We've been undone by the Holy Ghost. Oh yes, 20 years ago at the youth camp, I had that encounter with God. Five years ago when I was a young adult, I, had, uh, um, I drank of the wine of heaven. But when was the last time you've had a drink from the wine of heaven? We need a regular refilling. We need a regular moment where we don't get distracted and burnt and hurt by life, but we go, God, if we're going to live in victory, I need the fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. We need that Ephesians 3.20 filling, that it's um, that the mighty working power of God within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask, think, imagine, perceive. I want that in my life. I want that Ephesians 3.20. 20. God, you can do far more. I want that better new wine in my life to change me and bless me and help me be an effective disciple and ministry man on the planet. Uh, and it's interesting, like Jesus is so inspiring when he, when he talks to the disciples, the world will hate you because you're my follower. Oh, thanks, Jesus. What a, what a promise. The world will hate you for being my follower. Then you read in like, I got here, uh, 2 Corinthians 11. Paul's talking about all the trouble he's went through from being a disciple and being a follower of Christ. He's been bashed. He's been beaten. He's been stoned. Thing after thing, in prison. It's like, wow, great testimony. I followed Jesus. I followed the call of God in my life. And it's went after pain after pain. But we've got to understand that to be effective in the ministry, he was filled with the wine of heaven. He could endure those things because he wasn't running off of willpower. He wasn't running off of just good ideas. He was running off the wine of heaven, the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you know what? This thing is not easy. It's not convenient. But it's why God's placed me on this planet. It's why God's placed me on this earth to be able to endure these trials, these persecutions, to see people saved. And I love it. We read the book of Acts. The more the things were persecuted, the more the thing multiplied. The more thing, the more pain came, the more blessings thrived. And we're seeing in Australia, we're seeing in states in our country where there's been coming pressure and pain and limit on basic Christian ideas and ideologies. And I'm believing though, when this pressure comes, the gospel will multiply. It can't not. The, 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 when the enemy tries to clamp things down, Things will explode in Jesus' name. And so I, the more we see troubles coming, I just get excited to go, well, I know that something better is happening. Because every plant the enemy tries to go, it looks like, aha, try and get it out of this one. Aha, try and get out of this trap. That's the perfect place for a miracle of God to bring breakthroughs. And so we got to drink from heaven. And I love it when we, we clearly see through the Scripture today, when you drink the wine of heaven, 
you get access to a heavenly language. You gain access to that, to the language of tongues. And It's a thing that we've got to use daily. When you stir that thing up, it doesn't matter what persecution, what pain, what hurt comes in, that you're building yourself up in your most holy faith. And go, you know what? God, re- reaffirm me today. Re-strengthen me today. Fill me with joy today to be able to get through the pain that uh, would want to cripple me and stop me from my destiny. I love it. It says that there in Acts 2, that says that in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit upon all people. And I believe there's an outpouring of the spirit of God just for you, just for you in your generation, in your time. It says your sons and daughters will prophesy. I love that. There's a there's wine of heaven for our children. I'm believing that our children are going to be prophets, that they're going to speak into situations where they're going to go to school. And I'm believing for days where our students will see teachers get saved where they'll, they'll go to school and this teacher's like, there's something on this five-year-old, there's something on this seven-year-old that I need, that they were going to see a transference of the kingdom of God. In, in, I'm believing that over our children. I'm believing it over our youth ministry, where they're going to come and get food of the Holy Spirit. They're going to know what it is to drink of the wine of heaven and go, my life is no longer about me. My life's no longer about this and that. But I have a, an agenda to populate heaven and plunder hell. That's why they're on this. I'm believing that for our generation. The, the young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I'm believing in our church that it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. There's a plan for you. It, and that there's fresh wine for you to go, you know what? I may have had great miracles then, but God's got greater miracles for tomorrow. I have not yet tasted the best wine, the best wines ahead of me. And so I don't know what effective ministry you've had, but I'm believing there's new levels, new variety of effective ministry for your life, young or old, dreams or visions, God's got something fresh in store for our church. And I said, and men and women alike. And as a church, I believe that the Holy Spirit doesn't, uh, it doesn't matter if you're a man or woman, it doesn't matter your gender, Holy Spirit wants to come upon you, to empower you, to change your life. And so can we all stand right now? And as we come to a close, I want to I want to pray in faith for your life that we would see a, a fresh touch of the the wine of heaven, that we would have a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And in, in the book of Acts, chapter eight, it talks about um, uh, Peter laying on of hands and the Spirit coming upon people. And as I spoke before, that it doesn't. There's no one way that you can get filled with the Holy Spirit. There's not one way that you can have have a drink of the wine of heaven but there is one way where you can have the laying on of hands and you can receive something of the power of God on your life and so if you're here this morning you might go I want that touch I want that I've never had that experience that wine of heaven before I think this morning could be your morning where you encounter that that power of God for your life you might be someone else who goes, you know what I had an encounter five years ago I had an encounter ten years ago today's your day for a fresh and filling today's your moment for a fresh encounter with the power of God and so I'm going to pray in a moment. Then once I've prayed, we're going to start to sing. When the song starts, if that's you, you go, I need a fresh encounter or I need an encounter. Why don't you come to the front and we're going to have our, our ministry team pray and lay hands on you that you would get a drink of the, the wine of heaven for your life in Jesus' name. So right, I'm going to pray right now. Jesus, we thank you that you, you're the maker of wine, that you're the maker of the best wine. God, I pray right now for every liar, every... Uh, uh, preconceived plan that we think, well, this is a process, this is a order, this is a structure in which you're you're confined to. God, break that right now. 
God, we thank You for the miracles that You've done in yesteryear. But God, we believe there's new wine for today. There's new wine for our generation. There's new wine for our family. There's new, there's new wine for, for the future, God. Better wine, greater wine, that we could see our city change, that we could see our country change, that we could see this planet better because we are in it, because we're drinking of the wine of heaven. And God, we don't want to leave the wine of heaven for our brothers and sisters in Acts, God. We want to we, we want to follow their example. If it was good, good enough for them, it's good enough for us. And God, if we can see miracles in Scripture, God, there's no reason why miracles can't follow our life because we've learned what it is to drink the wine of heaven. So God, I pray that we'd be yielding Christians this morning, that we'd yield to your spirit and let you fill us afresh. In Jesus' name, let's sing.